Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E equals MC. That all men are created About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. I want to thank you guys all for tuning in to this wonderful radio program. You know, we're getting close to wrapping up 2020, the bombshell that is 2020 anyways. It's been a one hell of a ride, let me tell you. Uh, just, just I'm, I'm wishing everybody great safety. Hope you guys are all having a, a fantastic holiday season. Uh, if you're listening to this show, uh, you're listening to it uh, on uh, December 18th. So we're getting ready to, you know, run into the uh, Christmas holiday. So I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Uh, I won't be dropping a new show for Christmas because I'm going to be doing Christmas stuff uh, with my family. But uh, again, thank you guys all for tuning in. we got a great show for you today. Uh, a great guest. You know, there's kind of, I think, probably several different topics that we can talk about during today's interview. Uh, but first, let me just set the tone. we got a great interview. Tom Sutterly, highly decorated combat veteran, having served in the Army 25 years, the last 20 in the U.S. military's most elite tier one unit of Delta Force. He's been involved in, led uh, some of the nation's most important military campaigns. Uh, he also fought in and was portrayed in the Oscar-winning 2001 film Black Hawk Down, which was the longest sustained firefight since Vietnam. Vietnam was a long firefight, so I'm wondering how long that one was. We'll have to ask Tom a little bit about that when we, when we bring him on. Uh, but, you know, he's been deployed countless times, led hundreds of missions, including uh, helping out with the capture of Saddam Hussein. Uh, he's the recipient of numerous medals, including five bronze stars and two for valorous acts. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, you know, I want to also mention that Tom's got a best-selling book called All Secure, a special operation soldier's fight to survive on the battlefield and the home front that you guys can go check out at all places that books are sold. And we'll, you know, talk a little bit more about that book and, you know, why you wrote it, what it means to you here in just a few minutes. But uh, I want to set the tone for uh, for today's show and just kind of allow you the opportunity to tell people who Tom is, you know, where did you come from? What, what what's your driving force behind, you know, uh, creating All Secure Foundation? Uh, and I know that uh, you've got you got some wonderful stories of uh, things you've done in the military and, you know, some of those great things. Thank you for your service. Uh, but how did you find your frequency in life and in, in business? Like, you know, where 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 did you get, where did you start your path? Well, finding my frequency took a lot of jumping around in my life. Uh, I had no set path. I had no plans as a kid. Um, a friend of mine came back from basic training and during the summer and I was building I was building houses trying to make some money and and uh, you know I'd give back some of that money my blown from my parents giving me college money but he talked me into joining the army like within an hour drive on our way to a concert so chose to join the army without talking to my parents or anybody about it or even <laughs> considering more than the drive and how cool it sounded and I, I you know I thought I'm gonna join for four years I'll get some college money get out go back to college and I'll I'll be a normal guy again and um, you know, I've gone as far as making fun of my brother for joining the military ahead of me. And uh, the day I did it, it was just that thought of that hour driving up. Like, you know what? That sounds like something I can do. I can get out of Indiana. I can I can go around the world. I can do different things. And, I mean, this is this is from a guy from basic training selling, selling the, you know, all that the Army has to offer. So I didn't really have a path. And, God, I spent those first three years in Germany. Um, I was mechanized combat engineer so i'm driving an apc i'm in germany you know with it's got the wall still up so you know i got to drive through east germany and go to berlin that was kind of cool but i mean i was just waiting to get out and get my college money and i and i got a chance to go to german ranger school and then a, and a chance to go to french commando school and i loved it and it was different than what i was doing so i thought you know what there's cooler stuff out there i think i'm gonna go do that and a friend of mine had a, he carried a picture of him of himself around as a baby wearing his dad's green beret from Vietnam. You know, his dad's holding him in his arms and he's got his green beret. And I thought, that's cool. I want to do that shit, you know? So, 
that's what I set my sights on after about three years. I thought, you know what, I'll be a Green Beret. So I couldn't, I couldn't get into the Green Berets yet. So I made my way to jump school. I re-enlisted for jump school, got in the army there at Fort Bragg and I found the Green Beret recruiters and, and signed up and went to special force assessment selection. And then, um, I was in language school after qualifying, you know, as a, as a special operations engineer sergeant. And a couple guys approached me and said, hey, we think you should try out for the unit as well. And I'm like, that sounds cool. I'll do that, right? So I just kept kind of stumbling and going and choosing to do better. What people said was better, a different job, um, you know, not settling. And what was funny, so I, I, you know, I go to selection for the unit. I make that. I go to the operator training course for six months and make that. And I sit down with the, the psychologist at work. You know, hey, welcome. Welcome to, you know, to the unit. And um You've been climbing these mountains your entire life, right? You've been getting to the peaks. Make your way to the peak and you look and you see a taller mountain and you jump on that. What are you going to do now? And I was like, what? It was there something better? And they're like, well, not really. <laughs> so what are you going to do now? And I go, I guess I'll stick on the top and, and work as hard as I can. And they said, why don't you try to enjoy it? I'm like, what do you mean enjoy it? Well, just enjoy what you've done in life. And so I spent the next 20 years enjoying what I was doing in, in Delta and, um, you know, I think it never ends, right? It never ends trying to do better. It never ends trying to better yourself. And that's ultimately, I think, what can destroy us, right? Where you never think you're good enough. So you just continually dig in and you never feel good enough compared to people around you. At least that's what I equate to pro football teams, you know, pro any pro team, CEOs, people that work at high levels. Everybody I've talked to, they never feel good enough around each other. And that, that was my entire life, was never felt good enough. So I just kept changing frequencies, if you will, to find the one I fit in. You know, so I just worked my way all the way back up. And, uh, and like I said, never felt like I fit in. Never felt like I belonged. And I'd sit back and wonder, how did I get here? You know, you feel like a, a, mm-hmm. a, like a liar. You know, you feel like you fooled your way in. And, and until I talked to more and more people, that I worked with, I mean, I'm talking generals, um, they all felt the same way. Oh, you were the badass. We always wanted to be like you. And I'm like, bullshit, I wanted to be like you, you know? <laughs> but sit around and point at each other, and neither of us felt good enough to be there. We were always happy when we drove to the front gate and swiped your card and it turned green. And you're like, all right, I'm in here another day. Are you having trouble finding hand sanitizer? Well, Spa Treat has you covered. There's no need to go searching high and low. Just visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and place your order on their easy-to-use website. On schedule delivery. One of the great things about this product, Spa Treat Fulfillment Team is working around the clock to provide people hand sanitizer during this time of need and get your order to you as quickly as possible, even faster than Amazon. Spa Treat also has the lowest price of any of its competitors. Spa Treat has 62% alcohol content and the FDA recommends between 60 to 80 for maximum protection. This one has 62 because it doesn't dry your hands out. I use this stuff every single day. It is fantastic. It's got certified organic extracts with the ingredients in that hand sanitizer that are of the highest quality and they're designed to leave your hands smelling and feeling fresh while protecting you at the same time. The best part, there's no tricky residue left over. None. None of that sticky stuff. Four scents available, unscented, tea tree, lavender, and lemon. And best of all, this product right here is made in the good old United States of America. A lot of companies are having trouble dealing with the current demands, so Spa Treat has dedicated themselves to providing a much-needed product in the time of crisis. Spa Treat has better prices, faster shipping, and a larger supply than any of their competition. There isn't even a close second. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and enter promo code SPASPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. That's right. Not only are they offering the lowest price available, but they're also offering our listeners a discount. This promo code is exclusive to Voice America and only our listeners get this discount. Spa Tree and Voice America came together on this sponsorship in order to provide Americans something they could really need right now. Peace of mind. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and order yours today. That's SpaTreatOfficial.com and make sure you use the promo code SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. SpaTreeOfficial.com. Get your awesome hand sanitizer. You know, I think you're spot on when you talk about self-improvement to, you know, self-improvement to the point where it actually hurts you. You know, um, you know, I was, I was in the Navy and 
I did the same thing. I was like, I'm gonna go in the Navy and give me some college money and I'm gonna get out. And that's what I did. I got, I went in for, I went in for my time. I got out and I went to college. Uh, and that, and then that's actually how I stumbled into radio. It was like one of those, one of those weird things. I got home and I was staying at my mom's house and I got home in, in, uh, August of, uh, of 2001. Right. So I'm at home. And uh, I answer an ad in the newspaper that says, uh, get a job in media now with a phone number. And I'm like, yeah, we'll check that out. So I made a call and ultimately it was like a sales job or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, foot in the door. I'll go do that. You know, so I started doing that job. And then then 9-11 happened. Right. I was at, my, at home and uh, I was off that day. And my mom comes and she's like, Ryan, turn TV on. And I immediately was like. I'm still on the reserves right now. Like they're about to call me back, you know, uh, ultimately right. it didn't, it didn't happen. Uh, but I think it, it was all for good purpose, right? You know, you like, you know, you, you have this path, these things that you do in your life that kind of, you know, like you said, you stumbled into this and stumbled into that. Like I never sat down and was like, I'm going to go be in radio. I'm going to go do talk shows. I'm going to, you know, love technology. Like that was never my thing. I just was like, Oh, that sounds like a cool thing to do. Let me go try that out. And here I am 20 some odd years later, you know, doing still doing radio and loving every minute of it. But, uh, you know, that's funny when you talk about self-improvement. So, um, I, I, uh, I, I practice martial arts. I do matsubayashi ru karate and, uh, I say this to myself all the time, like I'm not practicing enough. I'm not exercising enough. I'm not, you know, doing this, that or another enough. And, you know, then your next belt test comes around and you're like, man, I don't even know if I'm gonna pass this thing. I've been practicing, I, you know, and then you get in there and you take the test and then your sensei is like, wow, you did a great job. You've been practicing every day. Look, I could tell you've been doing great. And I'm like, no, no, I haven't been practicing as much as you think I have. Been. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> you know, and then here I am thinking I, I, to myself that I suck. But here's a person who's got 40 years of experience in what I'm doing, telling me that I'm doing a good job. So at some point I had to just tell myself to shut the hell up, right? And and uh, know that at least you're doing something rather than some people who sit around and do nothing, right? And and I think that that point right. of self-improvement to to in, in excess is definitely a bad thing. Sometimes you just gotta be comfortable in your own skin and be happy with where you are, take a step back. I mean, especially with 2020, I mean, like it's been, it's been a, you know, I'll, I'll use a military terminology for that. It's been a shit show, right? Uh, 2020 has been. <laughs> and, uh, and and I don't know how many times this year, though, I took a step back and I was just like, you know what? I'm happy I have a job. I'm happy, you know, my family's healthy. I'm happy everything's going good. And, you know, and then, and then, I got, and then again, it's like, all right, well, what can I do to be better? What can I do? And it's like, just, just calm down, man, right? <laughs> right. And, you know, people tell us we're doing good. And I would find myself, no, you have to say that. You know, you're saying that because that's what you have to say. You're the instructor. You're the sensei. You're supposed to build me up. I would have these arguments in my head, you know. <laughs> oh, he has to tell you that. And I would work harder. But not, not feeling like you fit in ever, it destroys everybody. So you have to learn to accept it. You have to learn to be aware, you know, of yourself and and uh, appreciate it. You know, appreciate yourself. And I was never very good at that. And I don't think a lot of people are. No, that's definitely, you know, a skill that you have to kind of uh, learn as you stumble through life. I think it's kind of like a relationship, right? You know, I, I did an interview with yeah. a woman in, in February. It was like a, our Valentine's Day special, you know, and we had this this cool conversation that was basically about, you know, relationships and people who get married and all that kind of stuff. And, and our conversation was about how, you know, people watch movies and they see all this, you know, uh, romantic stuff. And it's like, oh, I love at first sight. And then they got married and they had children children and their whole life was just amazing. And I'm like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, dude, y'all got to get off that nonsense because my own, the only reason my relationship works is because I work at it. You know, it's not something that just, yeah, it's a job. Yeah. It's like, it's not something that just falls into place. If you're listening to this show right now and you have a relationship that was like Hollywood movie, send me an email about it. I want to interview you about how that worked out for you because I haven't met any person in my life that's had a, an ongoing relationship or a marriage that they haven't had to work at where there hasn't been a little blood, sweat and tears and maybe a little yelling. <laughs> and that's the falsehood that we have to pay attention to like social media nowadays. You see everybody's doing great. Everybody's posting great stuff. Look at me. Look at this great stuff. Nobody posts the shitty things of their day. Nobody posts, hey, I'm in a fight with my spouse right now. I think I'm going to go Facebook live, you know, and, and let everybody watch that. You know, it's always the good. So people sit back and look and, and think, man, they got a great life. 
their life is amazing. I wish mine was, right? And then you don't even look at your own posts. Nobody posts the crappy stuff. Everybody posts the good stuff and it's and it's I get that from a lot of people. You know, everybody's lives are so great. I'm like, oh, are they? Are they just amazing now? Pretty much all of our lives, we all think our lives are always tanking and everything's always a crisis and we're always looking for something to fix it and better it. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's not necessarily needed for that fix or, you know, I mean, I'm not saying don't always strive to be a better person because I think, you know, innately, you know, that's what the good Lord wants us to do as we're on this earth, as we as we live our days is, you know, to make sure that we're better today than we were yesterday in some respect, you know, and even if that means just, you know, changing your attitude a little bit, right? I mean, I think a lot of a lot of the stuff that everybody goes through on a daily, weekly, yearly basis has to do with your attitude and mindset, you know, which is something I, I know you learned that in the military because I, I sure did. Um, you know, they used to tell me I needed an attitude adjustment, which generally meant a whole bunch of extra PT, right? <laughs> and it works it does work it does uh but that's one of those things where it's just you know you gotta you gotta keep persevering keep moving forward and not necessarily telling yourself that you need to do better but keep going you know um absolutely and, keep going. and that's for everybody everybody has that you're like well i wasn't a veteran you know it doesn't really apply to me you know you were in the military you did you i, I get this you did you you did so many more things than i so your problems are worse than mine and and i'm like look why why would you even start with that everybody starts with that you know mine's nothing like yours but and i'm like if i could just cut that part out because for everybody it's the same right even for children I tell parents who, who aren't connected to their children anymore, and they, they don't know why. I'm like, I have a 21-year-old son that doesn't talk to me. I mean, I, that's why I wasn't connected. When he was young, his problems were little, right, to me, and I didn't listen to his little problems. So why would he ever come to me with his big problems? Why would he come to me with anything? And so I tell everybody that it's the, the little things that matter to people, and, and they all matter, and you have to pay attention to them, you know, and then you have to address them. Everybody wants to be heard, and, and it starts with children. You know, if we don't listen to your kids, they're not going to come to you as adults and share anything with you because you thought their problems were little. But to them, they're big. So to everyone, people have PTS, people have issues or stress. To them, it's the number one thing in the world. And if you don't treat it that way with them, then they don't think you're going to help them. They don't think that you're going to be part of their solution. You know, so I, I've learned to listen to other people's problems and understand them. You know, I gained my empathy back. I, I had zero <laughs> empathy, lost it in Somalia at some point along the way. Compassion and empathy, I had zero. You know, you got a problem, get yourself out of it, man. You know, and and I was like that for years, and that was a defensive mechanism to keep yep. my, my ass moving. Yeah, yeah, the whole mantra of, uh, oh, just suck it up and, you know, get yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, the old mantra of just suck it up or... You know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, that doesn't always work. You know, there's sometimes sometimes you literally have a mental block that's not allowing you to do what you need to do. And when you start talking about it and somebody doesn't listen, you know, you feel like as a person that you're not valuable. Right. And and, you know, and you're right with the kids. It's really, really important. You know, my I got a seven year old daughter, like emotions, crazy emotions that I've never even dealt with before in my life. Not even with my, not right. even with my wife, but everything is important to her. You know, oh, Sarah, Sarah told me that, you know, my hair was ugly at school today. And like, I'm like, you know, because I always ask her when I pick her up from school, like, you know, what was the best part of your day today? What was the worst part of your day? Let's talk about that. You know, and, and yeah. usually the worst part is, you know, some some other little girl said something nasty, you know, and I'm like, well, what'd you do? Did you ignore it? Did you say something back? You know, because I'm trying to teach her that, you know, as much as schools like, you know, non-confrontational and, you know, all that stuff, life is not, you know, uh, and so it's important, you know, even with little kids, it's not like I want my daughter to like, oh, Sarah said something about my hair. So I punched her in the face. You know, and we're not trying to get that extreme, but, you know, like stick up for yourself, you know, tell Sarah that, uh, you know, you don't like the way she's talking to you. And if she's not going to talk to you nicely, then don't talk to me at all and go find somewhere else to you know, hang out. Go get another swing. Go grab another jungle gym. You know, get out of here. Um, yep. But I think it takes that that listening for people to kind of really understand some stuff that other people are going through, you know, like earlier before we started the interview, we were talking about, you know, some of my friends and people have come back who had PTSD and, you know, you know, you, you think, Oh, everybody, everybody who goes to war has PTSD, but that's not the case. Um, 
but a lot of people do, you know, and I, and especially, you know, we talk about people in Vietnam, you know, my dad, my dad had really bad PST, uh, PTSD when he came home from Vietnam. I wasn't, I wasn't alive when he came home, but, uh, when he, when, when we were, you know, when I was being raised by him, there were, there were times where I'd walk in and my dad's crying on the table, you know, his head down and I'm like, what's going on, you know, and he doesn't want to talk about it. It took me a long time for to get my dad to open up about some of this stuff because when they, when those guys came home, they didn't even, they didn't even address PTSD. It was, it was nothing, you know? Um, and so I'm glad to see that the military's made strides over time to, you know, um, just, just see that that exists and, and be able to, you know, uh, help some of the guys, you know, get some help that they need so they can get readjusted and back into society because it's just, you know, a lot of stuff. And I think it all started with somebody finally decided to listen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we're, we're, we're our own worst enemies on this. You know, we're warriors. We don't need to ask for help. We're warriors. We don't, we don't need help ever, you know, so why would I even ask? And, and we'll do anything to help people we don't know around the world or we don't we've never seen before. We'll fight for them. We'll go over there and, and 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 die for them. You know, we'll get maimed for them. We'll come home. We won't tell the stories of what bothers us to protect our families and friends because we're going to help them not go through it either. And we can't go through it alone. So we sit and suffer silently, and we start drinking, or people turn to drugs and violence and and infidelity, everything, anger and aggression and and depression. All because they don't want to ask for help because they don't want to bother somebody because they're they're here to help others right and and we tell everyone put on your oxygen mask first you're no good to anyone else if you need help they tell you that on a plane when it's going down and it makes sense you can't help other people if you lay in there passed out you can't help others um, get through and many try many try to help other people through even though they're tanking with them and i did it with my buddies tanking drinking Ooh, yeah partying all along the way man we're you know we had each other's backs right while we drank ourselves to death yet i would never let them bleed to death on the battlefield i'd mention something to them that hey you know you're killing yourself you know but here i am doing the same things with them at a bar every night or, or ruining our lives and we just won't help ourselves Right. But we love to help other people. We love to help other people get help for PTSD, but we don't need help. We're good. Right. And that's where I'm trying to get everybody to get the self-awareness. It's OK. You know, self-awareness. What's bothering me? What's what's wrong with me? And to be honest about it and then make the plan, execute the plan. Everything we've been taught in our time and service that we don't think we have the tools. We've been taught everything already how to handle situations that are out of control. Now that situation might be us, right? We just have to apply everything we've been given to it and we don't do that very well. You guys have to check out this new service that I'm playing around with called Issue. It is totally amazing. You live to create, but you don't live to worry over the last nitpicky details involved in putting final touches on contact. You got to do what you do best and let Issue handle the rest. If you're a creative, you know the drill. You're finally done editing. It's perfect. Now you just need format and reformat for every single platform. With Issue, make it once, and it's ready to post everywhere. Seriously, Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines and sales collateral. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, educators, publishers, salespeople, or just anyone that wants to make eye-catching content that can be distributed on multiple platforms. Issue makes it really simple. Just upload the PDFs and files and Issue transforms them using your vision and customizable templates to create the content you want. With Issue, you just create it one time and distribute it everywhere. Everything is optimized to post on your website, social platforms like Instagram and Facebook. They can even help you make animated Instagram stories. And the best part about it, it is free. F-R-E-E free. That's right, it's free to get started with Issue. So go to issue.info slash frequency to sign up for your free account. That's I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency to sign up and let them know that you heard about it from this show, Finding Your Frequency. Remember, that's dot info, not dot com, dot info. So go to I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency and get your free account today. I have a I have a friend of mine who uh, is in our local community here in Phoenix. Uh, I live in a small like suburb of Phoenix called Levine. It's one of the only small little places outside of Phoenix where there's actually still farms. 
you know you can i can go get eggs and i can get some fresh milk and so mr yeah. mr amadio who uh, we've interviewed on the show before great great story of how he got his farm and what he does for the community but he posted something on facebook the other day that that very much echoes that sentiment that you know if you know, people are so worried about what other people think of them. They're, they're so worried about, um, you know, uh, being the helper, being the problem, the, the problem solver, the fixer, those types of things. Um, but how much stuff could we fix if we all just fixed ourselves? Yeah, man, everything, because you can't fix anyone else. Um, I, I, for years, I blamed everyone else for my misery, right? I pointed my fingers there. I'm like, well, the military, the combat, this, the divorces, the time away, all of which I, by the way, volunteered for um, over and over again, right? I volunteered for it. But self-awareness is, is the only thing that you can do to fix yourself. You have to be honest. I mean, I looked in, inward, and when I was finally honest, that's when I almost killed myself because... I realized, man, I am a loser. I am, of course, I'm, I'm diagnosing myself from a bad place, you know? So I think I'm a burden. I think I'm a burden to everyone. I figured it out that it's me now and I'm the burden, so let me remove it. And that's the easiest thing to do, right? Let's just get rid of myself. And I almost did that. And it was, it's a lot more work the other way. It's a lot more work to put, put effort into it, right? And I, and I tell people that call me and say, you know, I cheated on my wife for the fourth time and she wants to divorce me now. Please help me. <laughs> and I'm like, why in the hell do you want to stay married to her if you've cheated on her four times? Why in the hell do you think I can even help you? Why, why would you even stick around? Why are you cheating four times? Well, I love my wife. Well, your actions don't match that. You know, it's, it's, they know they need help and then they ask for help, but they don't want to do the work. And it's a lot of work. To, to get to work, you've spent 20 years ruining yourself, right? You've spent 20 years telling yourself that the new norm is to scream at people, dominate, get on top of it, and then fix the problem, and then say, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I got real violent and aggressive with you. But people don't want to hear that. They hear it a couple times, you know, and then they get tired of it. And then you get caretaker fatigue in, in a relationship of, he's always playing the veteran card. He's got PTSD, blah, blah, blah. It's not an excuse. Being a veteran is not an excuse for poor behavior. Having PTSD is not an excuse to get out of a DUI or, or abuse of, or of anything. So people who use it later still don't want help, right? The ones who come up up front, ask for help, reach out to us for help because we won't reach out to people. It never has worked. We've tried. Hey, let's help you. Let, let us help you. What's wrong <laughs> with me? <laughs> oh, there, there's a bad conversation starting right there. So when people need help, they know it, they have to put in the work and we just give them the tools and we're a lighthouse for them to show up and, and we show them that it can be done, right? We, we're, we're the first on the dance floor with our dirty laundry and we throw it out there and tell everybody what we went through and they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I did that too, I guess, so it's okay to talk about. And, and that brings in that self-awareness and that's all we're trying to do for people is to create more self-awareness you know you can't give it to them they have to have it so you have to get set the conditions for them to realize that you know they tell everybody hey, if you want it, you want help make it their idea you know if you want to enlist somebody's helping something let make it their idea and they'll have ownership in it and they'll work harder at it but same thing with self-awareness it, it's yeah. a lot of work down the road and you know it so it's it, you don't really want to look at it because you know the work that's ahead yeah, you know, my wife and I dealt with a family member who had an addiction problem for a long time, right? And I'd get phone calls from family and they're like, you guys, you guys need to help him. And I'm like, what? I'm like, well, I'm not giving any money because then I'm enabling him, you know, so that's yeah. not going to happen. You know, um, I can call him and ask him how he's doing, you know, but as far as help, what do you want me to do? I got kids. I can't like he can't come stay here. You know, I got to, right. I got to deal with, I got to deal with my house first. I got to keep, I got to keep my house in order before I can keep anybody else's house in order, you know? And it was like, it took him three years of stumbling down the road before it finally became his idea that he needed help. And yeah. once, once he came to that self actualization, now he's two years sober. And, and that's, that's the part that a lot of people don't get, you know, like that old adage, I can lead a horse to water. I can't make him drink. You know, so you I, can I can shove his head in it. You can <laughs> yeah. bury it down in there, and they, they won't do it. Yeah, but I'll it. drown the horse if it doesn't want to drink. Yeah, <laughs> you that's, know, that's a good point. Yeah, you will drown the horse. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 self awareness is extremely important. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people spend, you know, you spend a lot of your life trying to figure that out. 
you know, self-awareness, you know, and, and what does it really mean to, to, to me, to you, you know, what, what does that actually mean to be self-aware? That's one of the reasons why I value doing karate so much because it's, um, it's that time where I can reflect on me. You know, one of the, one of the things we talk about in karate is called Shingi Tai, which is, you know, my mind and my body work together. And, you know, that, that idea of knowing that, okay, well I have to do, you know, I'm going to do a kata. I'm going to throw a punch. I'm going to wear So my brain thinks that my body does it right. Um, that's a level of self-awareness, right? Um, all too often people go into their subconscious and go on autopilot. Have you ever been driving a car, right? And you get to your destination and you go, I don't think I remember driving the last three miles. Hmm. Yeah. It was like autopilot, right? So yeah, that's, I think how a lot of people live life. They just kind of go and they don't have that self-awareness of, okay, why am I going where am I, where I'm going? What am I going to do when I get there? You know, and I'm not saying goal setting, right? You can set some goals. That doesn't mean you're aware of yourself. You're just aware of where you want to go in the future. Um, but, but to my point, you know, that, that self-awareness, uh, it, it takes, it takes practice and honesty, like you said, uh, being honest with yourself. You know, um, I don't know how many times I've gotten done with uh, karate and been like, I need a beer. Yep, I'm thirsty. I need a beer. You know, and then I'm like, oh, the Okinawans do it. You know, that's what they do. They, you know, train for seven hours and then drink sake until they fall asleep and then get up and do it again. Well, I can't do that. I can't operate that way. And it took me a while to learn that, to figure it out. You know, uh, I come from a military family, so, you know, drinking with your buddies and, you know, all that kind of stuff was something that was always a part of my life. And I now one thing I didn't I didn't stop drinking. I still have a couple of drinks here and there. I just stopped doing it every right. day, you know, and I had to come. Yeah, to the, I, had to co- I had to come to the realization like this just doesn't work for me. Like if I want to be successful with my my marriage, my career, uh, you know, I want to get up at four o'clock in the morning and do karate before the whole house wakes up and I got to be a dad, um, you know, all of those things. You have to not lie to yourself and be aware of those situations so you can take action to better yourself and and further yourself so you can get to your goals, because if you don't do that, your goals don't mean nothing. It's a five second rule around here. We know that if, you know, hey, let's go for a run or let's go do this. You got five seconds to get up and go do it or you're going to negotiate with yourself to do something easier like snack and watch a movie, you know. So we, we try to push ourselves around the house of, you know, oh, we're going to work out tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes, right? You almost start tomorrow. If we're talking about working out we right now, you got five seconds to put your kid on and go work out. And if not, I don't even want to hear about it, right? Because you're just bullshitting. It's negotiations. And, and the easy, easy path will always, always win. And uh, so any, anything that pops into our heads around here for execution, it's like I'm instantly on it. I'm, I'm moving in that direction. And we used to get into arguments about it. And I was like, my wife's like, you know, I would love to go to Paris. And I'm, me in my head, I'm like, okay, how do we save? we got a backward plan. And she's like, I'm just dreaming, honey. I'm just dreaming. I'm like, okay, tell me that up front so I don't kick into action, right? So I can actually just let you dream versus start to formulate the plan within five seconds or I'm going to just blow it off. Um, but I've learned that, that, yeah, I, would, I will def- default to the easy path within five seconds. Yeah, no, that's funny. Uh, so uh, t- today we're recording the show. It's a Tuesday right before Thanksgiving. Uh, yesterday, Monday. So I have karate on Mondays. And so generally on, on the days that I have karate in the evening time, I don't get up at 4.30 in the morning and work out, right? Because I'm, I'm going to get beat up later today by the sensei anyway. So there's no sense in me beating myself up twice in one day. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I do. But you know what I, th- I did is I thought to myself on Sunday, I was or on, on, on Monday, I was like, I didn't work out on, I didn't work out on Sunday. Why did I do that? I chose to have a, I'm not doing anything day. And me and my, my, my daughter was at grandma's house. So we're, we're just hung out on the couch and watched movies all day and folded laundry. And, you know, so we got the, the house stuff done, but I didn't work out. And I, that's not, that's not normal for me. I usually, you know, at least put in an hour, hour and a half a day. And uh, so <clears throat> that five second rule, it's funny that you brought that up because I get home from, uh, from work yesterday on Monday and I said to myself, you know, I didn't work out on Sunday. I owe myself a workout. I better get one in. And then I said to myself, oh, but I'm, I'm getting ready. I, I have karate in an hour. 
and it was right then and there i was like nope go do it now boom and i went into the living yeah. room I, I didn't even i didn't even put on any workout gear i still had my clothes on from work my jeans and boom i dropped down and front leaning rest position and went to town on how many push-ups i could do jumping jacks practice my kata and then i went to karate right after that and boy was i <laughs> not not the best idea. I should have worked out on Sunday, but I did. I stayed true to myself and I did the workout that I owed myself Sunday, even though I did it on Monday and then went to karate for two hours and got beat up. And I walked through the door yesterday and I went, it was like Mr. Crease from the Karate Kid was there. And that was like this old guy. And my sensei's <laughs> like, hey, I want to introduce you to Keith. And I'm like, uh, hi, Keith. I shake his hand. Oh, Keith's been doing karate with our style since 1965. His original sensei was our grandmaster, Shoshi Nagamini, who created the Matsubayashi Ru style in the early 1900s. And I'm going, man, maybe I shouldn't have worked out before I came here because I'm about to get roasted right now. And sure enough, we get through class all the way through. We got five minutes left till class is done. And normally we'll warm up with like jumping jacks and different stuff in the beginning. Oh, we didn't warm up. We, we just, we immediately went into doing uh, kata and bunkai and, and, you know, punching, punching bags and all this fun stuff that we do. And then five minutes before then I hear my sensei go, all right, well, let's see how many pushups you guys can do. You know, uh, so we've already been training for, you know, an, an hour and 55 minutes. And then now we're going to do pushups and see how many we can do. Well, earlier in the day, I, I banged out like a hundred, no problem. And then in class are like, you know, counting. And then we ended up, we're, we're going to do 20. And at like 15, uh, my <laughs> arms are shaking. Death. And I'm like, man, all right, I'm not missing a workout on Sunday ever again. That five second rule. I could have woke up and had that thing done at five o'clock on Sunday morning. But uh, I love that five second. I just had to tell that story because, you know, it's 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 the uh, uh, it's what happens if you procrastinate and then you yeah. try to make it up to yourself. You have to work that much harder to get through what you're trying to do rather than just doing it the first time when you're supposed to do it. So that's my 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 story <laughs> for yesterday. I tried that younger. It works when you're younger. I, you know, if I didn't do an hour on the elliptical one day, you know, OK, well. I'll add it tomorrow. And then I would do it the next day. I would have to add an hour to whatever I was doing. And then it'd be a third day. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to really knuckle down on this one. So I would do three or four hour workouts to punish myself for what I forgot to do, which kept me from forgetting to do those. But it would have been easier just to not negotiate and just do what I, I set out to do. And it, it's easier to do it the way you plan. You know, once things fall behind, you keep stacking it up, makes it harder to do. And then you're never going to do it at a, at a certain point. You're never going to do all that. Yeah. If you let that if you let that pile get too high, that pile becomes a wall. Right. And yeah. then at that point, and then mentally, yeah, then mentally you're, you're lost and stuck. Not many people have a mental grappling hook. So once the wall gets up there, they're like, ah, I don't know. That's, that's a big wall. I don't yeah. know if I can climb it. Well, Time guess to what? Put my head down and run into it yep. over and over and over again. Either that or you better figure out how long it is and go around. <laughs> So Tom, let's shift there gears you go. a little bit. Got to be aware of it and make a plan, right? Yeah, you got to you got to make a plan. Let's let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about your book. Um, you know, you have all secure special operations soldiers uh, fight to survive on the battlefield and the home front. So, um, what prompted you to write the book? What uh, you know, a lot of times people write books because they're trying to solve a problem, right? They're trying to create awareness, all, you know, all those kind of things. So, what was your what was your driving factor behind uh, writing this book? It's awareness. It was um, honestly a good marketing strategy to reach as many people in need as we could. I was on the phone telling the story every day, eight, ten, 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 ten hours a day, just on the phone after phone after phone, you know, call with everybody. Wife the same way. She's like, you need to write a book. And I'm like, that's never going to happen. Don't ever even ask me again. <laughs> and, and so we kept doing it, you know, beating our heads against it on against the wall on the phone again, on the phone talking to everybody every day. She's like, the best way to get this information out is to write a book. I'm like, that's never going to happen. Right. So finally, after trying to reach so many people and hearing the same stories over and over and over again, my wife talked me into it. It's, it's just the help that I got has helped so many people. The way that we wrote the book was it was just being real. It's kind of like not a book on look at all the cool stuff I did, right? It's a book on look at everything I screwed up along the way while I had the ability to do cool stuff and all the lies along the way I told and and to myself and everyone else, oh, we're fine, we're good to go, you know? Um, 
you know, you, you, there's some stories in there to keep people interested to read it, right? There's people just want to know stuff. But like my wife likes to tell it, hiding the peas and the brownies, you know, you get some healthy stuff inside the sweet stuff that you want. And so there's good stories in there from different theaters um, around the world. Lots, mostly the stuff I can't talk about anyway. But the main portion of the story is, is just what it does to you as a soldier, what it does to you as anybody that works in a job that requires that much attention, right? It doesn't have to be the military, any job where you're at a high level operating and expected to operate perfectly with people working under you and do everything right. And Oh, the the business is relying on you. That's Mm -hmm. stressful and something's got to give. And that's typically your family life. And so that kind of the books about how to get past that, you know, this, the warning signs of what to see while you're while you're living your life and struggling and it's it's paid off I get so many messages um from people saying your story if you're if if you went through that and made it or if you talked about it then it must be okay and you know and though I don't live my life that way my wife said it would have that effect people oh you're a sorry major in the unit and you're admitting that that screwed you up it must be okay to admit that it screwed me up then and it, and and that's what's working and that's kind of like what we wanted with to let everybody know that it's okay. It's okay to be beat down. It's okay to doubt yourself. It's okay to do all that. But you know what? There's also a way out and you got to put in the work. And here's, here's, here's the work you can do to get better. Oh, that's awesome. I love, I love your wife's analogy, hiding the peas in the, in the brownies. <laughs> right. <know? laughs> I, wow. You're, uh, <laughs> so when you actually sat down and started writing the book, were you like, Oh, this isn't too bad. This is, you know, did did you at least have fun with the book when you were writing it? Yeah, you know, it, I'm, it I'm like you. I'm not a writer. I like, you know, my oh, wife. No. Uh, I'm the vice president of operations at this company, right? And they're like, we're gonna need you to draft up uh, some policy documentation, and I'm like, oh man, yeah, policy. Who does that I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, can I outsource that? Like, isn't there like a human resources person or something like that? And they're like, no, you're the only one that knows how to do all that stuff. You need to make a policy <laughs> man it's better to tell people what to do hey you know my co-author steve jackson he did a great job he um he knows how to put words together i wrote a lot of the chapters myself and um but him just interviewing me getting that story out interviewing friends reminding me of stories that i'd forgotten about and i'm like oh or stories that i told that he interviewed a friend of mine that had a different story i'm like wow i, I didn't know that all these years later you know um some things came together after that. I mean, somebody from Somalia that drove the the Humvee that delivered us to the back gate on the 4th of October, you know, the next morning, wrote in, that was my vehicle. I was driving that vehicle. I'm like, wow, I didn't, you know, and he told us that he got lost. I, I never knew why we went a different way than everybody else and got shot at more often. <laughs> and he, they got lost along the way, and I found out 20-something years later, you know. So it, it brought a lot together, but it was it was cathartic getting it out there. It was real cathartic reading my own book for audio version um that was tough but it helped me you know the more you say something the more you tell that story the more normalized the more it becomes the more you learn to deal with it and and it it worked but man um putting those words together that was that was tough and the way that we ended up writing it versus you know i would have written a book in the beginning all the way to the end and and it have been boring you know the way that he put it in different orders to bring you back to another story was something I couldn't have done that made it a lot better. Yeah, no, good, good, good storytelling is important for books. And so that's why I'm, uh, if I write a book, it'll be a manual. Like it, it you know what I mean? <laughs> it'd be like, this is all right. Chapter one, this is how we're going to start build something. Look, you can see behind me, like I have a Nerf gun that I built. Right. So like that, that's me, you know, like I, let me build something, you know, I don't need directions. I'll just, you know, I'll figure that out, you know, so, and then I'll make a manual on how I did it afterwards. Um, don't expect the manual to be exciting at all. It'll be probably worse than <laughs> Ikea directions, but you'll get to the point. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so earlier you were talking about the book and, you know, uh, you know, identifying some warning signs for people who are, you know, um, needing to, 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 to get that self-awareness. If you could give a couple of pointers on identifying some of those warning signs for our listeners as they live their lives so they can, you know, start to internalize some ideas and identify some of the warning signs that they may not know that they should be aware of. 
I think the easiest warning sign, there are so many because people, as, as, as people vary, your warning signs vary, is change. Look for change. There's something not right. There's something not the same about my friend or my spouse. Um, and you know it, right? You would know it as a close person. That's why we tell leaders, they're like, um, what's the best way to manage people? I mean, you have to get to know your people. You don't know what's bothering them, and it's not always work-related stuff, right? Something at home's bothering you, you don't know about it, you can't help them. So getting to know your people, but change is key if you know your people. And there's somebody that knows all of your people, right? It's not always you. Somebody under you knows somebody, but um, looking for change. And then those changes typically are excessive drinking, um, drugs, especially if they're on a lot of pain meds and, and prescription drugs throughout the years. You know, they, then it's, that's just turning to a pills the easy way. And it's just part of the culture. Um, guys that are running off doing, um, um, ended up being alone. Isolation, self-isolation is a good one. Um, people that don't typically have that flair for life anymore, they're angry, right? The, the angry old vet living under the bridge, right, with his hand out. I mean, that's that's ingrained in a lot of people, you know, that angry old vet or that, that dad that's a vet, you know, everything's ship shape. And a lot of it is they miss it so much they miss the tribe they miss belonging to something that they reached to what they had last and that was the military the last thing that they had was the military for some guys it's high school i threw that high school touchdown pass he was the quarterback that's all he was ever going to be and he's not good enough to go to college you know but he didn't study because he was the best quarterback in high school so his his last heyday is his high school football years and you see those people we've, we've got friends that live those you know those lives and you can look at your friends and go oh you're living your last great thing you're not focused on something next. You're not focused on, on, on growing. You're living your last thing. And when I see somebody suffering, they're typically living, living their last great heyday or their tribe, and they miss it. And they're angry at everything else that's going on around the world. I mean, look on social media nowadays. You can see it. People are pointing fingers at everyone else. So nobody's self-assessing. We're all busy telling everybody how wrong they are. Um, when we don't realize that pff, we don't know anything either, do we? The only thing I could go spew at other people is what I've been taught, right? They were taught by somebody before them and before them. Were they right or wrong? I don't know. And what, why does it really matter that much? But, but when I'm angry and I feel bad about myself, I'm going to let you know, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let other people know. Yeah. So I see a lot of lashing out, but it's typically, you know, the anger, the, un the inability to control. And I'd say 90% of what we get asked for help on is relationships. And that's due to the anger and the drinking and, you know, the spouse is like, he never listens anymore. He doesn't do anything. Or both of them and the spouse are living the perpetual party life and they don't understand and they don't know why they can't get their act together and, uh, and be happy. And it's because they're not working on their relationship. You know, they're just existing. Yeah. And I think working on your relationship, uh, is really important, you know, uh, <laughs> I tell my wife this all the time. Like I'm so appreciative of her because she's probably the only person I'll ever know in my life. That's going to actually put up with my bullshit. <laughs> right. You know, and, and she's also the only person other than my mother who will, you know, tell me I'm wrong. You know, no, nah, no, nah, that's not right. And that's not you, you know, no, you're, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to do something for somebody else, not for yourself, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, it's important to keep those people around, you know, like I hate friends that say yes all the time. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, no, you need uh, the lemmings, right? They make you feel good. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, like you said, relationships, a lot of work. I mean, if you want out anything out of it, it's got to be a lot of work. You're going to have to put in a lot of work. You're going to have to expect a lot of patience and you're going to have to learn from each other the whole time. You can never just sit back and enjoy it. You always have to work at it. You know, if you're not telling your spouse she looks great and somebody does, what's what's going to make her feel good? Yeah, right? no. we all love safety, security, attachment, connection. And if I'm not telling my spouse how much I love her and how beautiful she is and somebody else does, then ooh, that makes her feel safe and secure and attachment and connection there. And right. Somebody made her feel good about herself. Same thing back and forth. You know, and my wife tells the spouses the same thing. It's not just the guys run out and go cheat all the time, honeys. You, you, you ladies, you, you let your shit go too. You know, and you come in, you come into that that relationship where we're just comfortable now. I'm raising the kids. You're off doing the war, and you're going. You know, and you come home, you say hey, and then you leave, and then 
it, it just becomes that that world, right? And it's normal. And then you retire and get out, and you're stuck with each, stuck with each other all day long, and you have no idea how to live together because you grow you've grown apart. So you have to work at your relationship and get to know each other all the time. Hey, ladies, it's okay to tell your husband that he's handsome. Okay. Don't forget that because I, I don't know, you know, how many times and just even even in my own life, you know, like, oh, honey, that's cool looking blouse you got there. That's awesome. I asked my wife the other day. I was like, when was the, I just I, I probably shouldn't have did this because, you know, how women are sometimes <laughs> I'm like, hey, honey, um, I haven't heard you tell me how dapper I look in a while. Do you like my beard? Should I grow it out? Should I shave it? What do you think? She goes, I don't care what you do. And I'm like, what? She's like, no, with your beard. I don't care what you do with your beard. She's like, I'll like you either way. And I was like, oh, so you do think I'm handsome. And she's like, oh, do I not tell you that enough? I'm like, yeah, I, I could use a little bit more of that. <laughs> I was yeah. kind of giving, giving her a hard time a little bit, you know, kind of joking around. Uh, but she looked at me and she goes, I think you're right about that, you know? So I think, you know, all of those relationships, they work two ways. You got to, you know, and dudes, set, randomly yeah. bring flowers home to your lady, like, you know random don't don't be like hey honey beep beep boop. hey honey uh i'm gonna bring some flowers home would you like roses what would you like tulips <laughs> what color do you like no you if, <laughs> hey you should probably already know that if you've been in a relationship for more than a year <laughs> put it in your notes like i put everything in my notes now right i i <laughs> bra size panty size favorite color favorite flower i'll forget i know now i know to write things down and guess what when i can send those it means something, right? It means something, and they know. You know, you can Google anything nowadays, so just putting in an ounce of effort versus expecting them to always be there. <laughs> yeah, it's just the, the people that, that we talk to that, that do cheat on each other, wives, <laughs> spouses, you know, everything back and forth. Everybody's doing it. And it, it all boils down to they didn't talk. They, didn't, they just grew apart, you know? They love each other, but they didn't give each other attention. And I tell you, that's, that's the work you have to put into it. You have to let them know you still love them. You have to find out what what they're interested in still. You know, you have to tease, flirt, and date with them, you know, all the time. Always flirt with your spouse. And I tell people that. We do couples retreats, you know, flirt. If you're not flirting, someone else is going to do it, right? Someone's going to do it. And that's going to feel good, and then you're going to be angry about it. Why? Because you chose not to put in the work then? It's, it's, it's a relationship, it's work, and if you put in the work, it'll last and it'll be strong. Those are some fine words, Tom. Fine, fine words. If, if you put in the work, it'll be strong. Um, hey everybody, I wanted to tell you about this great shaving product that I've been using lately. Not only is it awesome, it will save you money. Enough to buy 26 cups of coffee in New York City or three deep dish pizza dinners in Chicago. Harry's is an awesome product. It delivers high-quality razor blades as low as $2 each, a fraction of the price of leading brands, and saving you hundreds of dollars at the same time. I really like the way that Harry's works. It has a very close shave, it's got a great design for the handle, and also the scent of the shave gel is fantastic, and it leaves your skin nice and smooth. You can get a trial set delivered to your doorstep by going to harrys.com forward slash frequency. Quality, durable blades at a fair price, just two bucks a blade. They've cut out middlemen manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. I'm telling you, I use this product and it is absolutely amazing. Harry's has all your grooming needs covered in just one stop. You can get blades, hair care, shower products, all on harrys.com. And just like their blades, Harry is committed to providing premium products without breaking the bank. Again, visit harrys.com forward slash frequency. I want to make sure that everybody gets the chance to go check it out. You can feel better too about the purchase because 1% of their proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations developed to helping provide access to better mental health care for men and veterans. How could you not get behind the veterans? So important nowadays. Listeners of the show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com forward slash frequency. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. I use it every day. Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated. And I'm telling you, when you get done shaving, your face will feel so smooth. It's amazing. You even get a travel blade cover to keep your razors dry and easy to grab on the go. So make sure you go to harrys.com dot com forward slash frequency to start shaving and saving today.
I want to just tell a quick story. You talk about putting in work and being strong. Um, so I, I told you earlier, I live in Phoenix, right? So I'm, I'm a, I'm a born and raised Phoenician. Um, my wife is a sixth generation Arizona and I'm a first generation. My mom, my mom came here from Idaho, you know, so my wife's side of the family, they got a bunch of roots here and, you know, I was always loved Arizona and, you know, because of the military, I traveled a bunch of different places because of my job. I've traveled a bunch of different places and I don't know what it is. Even I'm flying back home and I look down at the ground and I see that brown dirt, just desert. And I'm like, Hey, I'm home. So anyways, I just love Phoenix, but uh, I'm a big fan of the Phoenix Suns and uh, the Phoenix Suns, they have a coach right now. His name is Monty Williams. He used to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. And in 2016, uh, his wife Ingrid died from injuries sustained from a car crash in Oklahoma City after a car was hit head on by a vehicle um, that crossed lanes losing control. The couple had five children together. Hmm. He was retired from the NBA. And this is something that stuck with me, which I think is, is, is extremely important on this topic that we're talking about. Um, you know, this man has five children, right? He's got all the money in the world, former L.A. Laker, retired, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, he could have just, you know, went off and decided he was just going to go raise his family and, and, and never play basketball or do anything basketball related again. And then, they, then all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, he becomes the coach of the Phoenix Suns. And I'm like wow, is that the same Monty Williams? That's crazy. Tragic, that tragicness that happened with him, you know? And then I listened to an interview and he's telling a story about, you know, the, the, the tribulations of him being a single dad of five children. And, you know, he said something, he's like, all the money in the world doesn't help with any of that. Trust me. He's like, yeah, can I get a nanny to help with the younger ones? Can I get some tutoring for the kids or whatever for school? Yeah. Yeah. That's that stuff money could buy, but being a dad to five kids is tough. You know, and um, and and he was in the locker room with his uh, with his team, and he said something that struck a nerve with me. And I think to this day, it's something that everybody needs to think about. And it's anything that you want in life is on the other side of hard. Yeah, you know what I sure. mean. And for a guy yeah. who whose wife died and got left with five children, I think he understands that. And for him to share that little bit of nugget when in that interview um, a couple of years ago when he became the coach of the Suns. And now the Suns are like an amazing basketball team. You know, like he turned the whole team around after not making the playoffs for 10 years. Right. And it's like sometimes you need a person in your life or an idea in your life that gives you some kind of motivation to know that. Even even though what you want is on the other side of hard, it's attainable if you want to put in the work, you know. Right. I tell everybody that, you know, parents lied to us. And when you're growing up, there's like, you can be anything you want. It's a complete and utter lie. They did, just, they did well, they didn't finish the sentence. Yeah. Right? You can be anybody or anything that you want if you work your ass off. Mm -hmm. Right? You, you, the opportunity is there is what they're saying. I think what we've forgotten nowadays is the, the work that needs to go into it. It's not going to be given to you. Nothing's given to you. A good relationship's not given. You know, it's earned. It's it's through hours and hours and years of hard work and, and any jobs the same way. If you work yeah. hard and you keep at it, right? You can never quit just because you fail. I mean, you can't, you gotta just keep going. That's just a, a motivator to keep going for me, you know? And then if you never ever fail or ever, ever quit, you'll you'll fail across the finish line and you'll be a winner, you know? Just, uh, you, you quit when you want to. People quit when they want to. Yeah, and they'll blame something fa else. Failing really is not a bad thing. To. Failing is not a bad thing. I, I think if you don't have failure, I learned if you don't have failure, how do you know what true success is? How if you've never been on the bottom, right. how do you know what the top is? You know, and so you you've got to fail. We yeah. we've done so many interviews with entrepreneurs where they're like, I had fourteen businesses I started, and it was the fourteenth one that I finally figured it out. You know, they failed yep. 13 times in order to figure out the 14th one, which made them, a you know, a millionaire, a billionaire, or, you know, or, or just whatever their version of successful is. Right. Like, because it's different for everybody. Those people who get set on top of something amazing and they didn't earn it. They're going to have to fail losing it, finding <laughs> their way, keeping it struggling. Right. Or they can work their way up and, and own it. And they already know everything they learned along the way. You're not getting around it. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna screw it up. You're gonna blow it. You're gonna get cocky. You're gonna you're gonna have to work your way back and apologize and dig deeper. And 
did you do it on the way or did you do it after you were given something and screwed it up and had to fix it? it but you're going to go through it. <laughs> I was listening to Dave, you know? Dave you gotta Ramsey. You got to learn what you got. <laughs> I was listening to Dave Ramsey yesterday on my way home from the studio. You know, the financial guy who does podcasts and radio shows and stuff. And he made he made a comment about that with money, right? And he's like, you know, if you're a trust fund baby and someone just handed you a couple million dollars, you know, then and that you didn't earn, then, well, you have no, you know, you have no respect for the money that you've received. And so you just frivolously go out and spend it you know and so it's that same type of idea with you know with, with life like if you didn't earn you where you are and you were just given a position or you were just given something then you know how do you really respect what it is and manage it correctly um you know similar to like if you uh, hit the lottery like all of a sudden i'm uh, i'm working at mcdonald's and i win 50 million dollars on the lottery like are you gonna appreciate that 50 million dollars are you gonna think about what you're gonna do with that 50 million dollars you're like nope goodbye mcdonald's hello ferrari you know and not really thinking yeah. about what the future holds for that but you know good good point if you didn't know how to manage money before you got money you better figure it out because you're going to lose it all you know it's it's uh i joke about that you know my wife's like never take advice from people you wouldn't trade places with right so when people are giving me that all that hard-earned advice and and financial advice i, I look at people like okay would I live in your shoes? Would I want to be in your shoes to be taking your advice? You know, that's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> I learned a lot doing that. You know, yeah, I, I've learned a lot. Everybody, everybody always knows how to manage money when, you know, that's why I listen to Dave don't. Ramsey. The dude was like, you know, bankrupt, poor and broke, had absolutely nothing to his name. And now he's worth like one hundred and seventy five million dollars and has a radio empire and one hundred and ten million listeners across the country every week. You know, and then so when he gives advice on, you know, what to do with your money, I'm going, yeah, he's probably right because he was at the bottom, yeah. you know. Exactly. Tom, tell people those are the ones that know. Tell tell people uh, how they can get a hold of you, help out with allsecurefoundation.org. Um I was just looking at the time here and uh want want to want to get to making sure that you give out your contact information, how people can get a hold of you and and uh, I know that the All Secure Foundation is a nonprofit uh, and then, you know, what can people do to help and where can they go? God, always donations. I mean, we're starting a Giving Tuesday program coming up, and you can do everything at allsecurefoundation.org. You can buy merchandise. You can get a signed copy of the book. My wife's book will be on there coming up. Um, it's out February 16th, so that book is for pre-sale. It'll be available. Um, donations, and, if, and, and people that email to help, please email what you can do to help. I always get, I want to help. How can I help? I don't know. I don't know how you can help. Those, that's what people tell us. How is it you can help? I mean, some people have money. Great. Give us the money because that money goes all back to helping veterans. Um, if you have a, a skill, uh, you know, if you're if you're a lawyer or something, you think you can offer. Make sure you tell me that. I get so many messages and I'm trying to respond to every one of them that it's hard to when it's, hey, how can I help? When I get those from everybody, it's like I have to blow past those because I got to get to people that need help. We spend our days helping people in need. Um, we pay our therapist, we talk, we hold retreats, we travel. You know, we're going next week, next couple of weeks to Fort Bragg to speak there as well. Um, my wife and I both getting over COVID, so we're good to travel now. So we're we're excited about finally being beyond that one. Um, this whole year has been kind of shut down for COVID, but we, you know, went to online content and we did um, via phone or Zoom therapy with our, with our counselors. So we never wanted to stop, but but the only way we can grow again is with 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 scalable scalable plans so everything we have is scalable you know we can help up until a certain amount and then we'll need more money we'll need more staff but everything's scalable but if you, if you want to help let us know how you can help all right and and it, you can help anybody and i tell everybody everybody's a leader um by giving you know good advice and making good decisions and someone just needs you to listen to them you know just listen to them and encourage them to reach out and get help and that can be at All Secure Foundation. And if it's not us, then we'll find the best place for them. And we'll get them the help. Awesome. Tom, thanks for taking an hour out of your day to spend uh, with us here on Finding Your Frequency. I really appreciate it. Uh, you guys, make sure to go to allsecurefoundation.org, donate some cash, or if you got a skill, let them know what you got going on. You know, my skills radio. So this is what I'm bringing to the table right now, Tom. I'm helping spread, you know, your 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 message, spread your word via the radio show. I'd love to have you on again uh, when your wife's book comes out in February. Maybe we can do a, uh, a double interview with the both of you. I think that'd be wonderful. Have you back on. Talk 
talk about that new book and you know kind of what's uh, what's been happening in 2021 maybe maybe we'll have some more positive things to talk about in a couple of months right <laughs> yeah some better stories next year for sure absolutely I hope. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Make sure you're tuning every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're live uh, at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time, always bringing you new content. Check back midweek, too, because sometimes we drop some mini-sodes that are our little, you know, 20, 30-minute interviews with folks that uh, didn't have a whole hour to spend with us, but we still wanted to get them on because they had great content. Uh, so make sure you go check out some of those other pieces. Uh, we got five years of shows for you guys to listen to, so uh, go back and listen to some of those things and if you're listening on apple podcast spotify or your favorite podcast website make sure to give us a review and of course five stars are better than four and of course i think tom and i deserve five stars so you better give us five stars tom tom was in the military he might beat you up if you don't give us five stars i'm just joking but uh appreciate you guys tuning into the show and again go check out allsecurefoundation.org i'm ryan treasure have a wonderful one